Welcome back to another episode of The Rankable Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Sussman of Rank, and I am so excited to talk to this gentleman who is in the weeds in this world of SGE and AI and content. I'm joined today by Bernard Wong. Now, Bernard is the co-founder of ClearScope. He has a content intelligent platform, for those of you who aren't familiar, that's tied up with AI, provides a ton of insights in terms of the SERP, in terms of content strategy on how to really kind of navigate SEO and put out a great media publishing product on your own. So he is, you know, featured all over the place. He works with amazing brands like DoorDash and All Trails and Strava and, and Compass, like so impressive. And he also happens to be a yoga instructor. What's up, Bernard? How you doing, man? Garrett, thanks so much for the awesome intro. I'm I'm so stoked to be here. You know, I I pull rank definitely one of the top SEO agencies around and you know it's it's the complete honor. Dude, I I'm geeked out to have this conversation because you have been in the weeds and the past year in the world of SEO and AI has been it feels like it's rejuvenating the industry and something that we've never seen. Just can you set the stage of since ChatGPT was rolled out and Google's reaction what this past year has been like from your perspective? Oh, yeah. So we we offer a solution that helps people optimize their content for quality, making sure that all the entities or concepts that you should cover, given any topic or keyword that you want to rank for, is all included within the piece of content. So the the last year really can be summed up in one word, turbulent. I think that it's been extraordinarily turbulent to see Google's knee-jerk reaction to the advent of ChatGPT, what's going on with Bing, with search generative experience, and these updates around helpful content. So I think that we are in for a rude awakening that was due to happen. And in a lot of ways, you could say that chat GPT is better at writing than 80, 90% of the content that we were getting produced in the first place, right? This is going to Fiverr, paying somebody five bucks, 20 bucks, getting a kind of mediocre at very best piece of content written. And this awakening that we're seeing is that, okay, well, instead of paying $5, $20, people are paying nothing or pennies on the dollar to get that same output that's better, comparable to what, you know, that $100 an article type type thing was. So I think there's a lot going on. I think search is rife with change. And I think looking at it all, probably one of the most interesting things in in my book is helpful content update. And this idea of quality evaluators doing the machine learning or subjective aspects of what a quality piece of content should look like. It's interesting because with all the changes, I mean, for the longest time, Google's been continuing to incentivize copycat content. It doesn't always feel like it's rewarding the best content out there. I'm curious, A, 
in terms of your your recommendations for strategies. But do you think with the helpful content update, for instance, and all these algorithm updates that Google is starting to get it right? Or do you think that that's the wrong question? How are the search results from your perspective? I love this question. I'm going to geek out with you on, on it. So I don't know when it was. I'm trying to think like maybe it was four years ago, five years ago. This is when I started thinking about search engine results pages as search engine results puzzles, right? You had 10 blue links, give or take some you know, featured snippets or whatever, like interesting stuff that Google is playing around with. But you had 10 slots to participate in a given query. And you can imagine if we went back a decade, those 10 slots would all mostly be exact match pieces of content on the target keyword. I think about five, six years ago, I started to notice a very distinct shift in that it wasn't 10 slots that were exact match on the keyword. They were more like relevant subtopics. And, you know, I think the easiest way to to think about that was sort of like the people also ask or, you know, related searches, right? They would oftentimes be, you know, one or two or three results where it was that subsequent search that the user was most likely to perform that was graduating into this search engine results puzzle. I think in today's day and age, you know, that's more true than it's ever been. However, there's a lot of different factors at play. And the theory that I'm recommending or subscribing to is what I call SERP similarity. And you could also think of it as topic maturity. So topic maturity or SERP similarity would refer to this idea that more or less everybody that is contributing to the topic from a content perspective agrees that the, you know, X is X, like more or less, right? We all are in accordance that, um, you know, this content is true, it's relevant, it's helpful. And in very extreme cases of high confidence similarity, we'll call these like, you know, lyrics, right? I mean, lyrics are lyrics. You can't, Everybody agrees they're the same, right? And, you know, grammar sites, right? How you use an N dash versus an M dash is all mostly all the same as well, right? We, we, I think of those as high confidence similarity searches. So in those particular veins, the copycat type content, which is to say, you know, how can we do this, you know, better, add a little bit more, it actually works, right? Like, I, I think that that's, that's really the, the takeaway, right? If you're writing about, you know, what is A-B testing or what is search engine optimization, how you beat your competitors is by providing more comprehensive, more relevant content in the evolutionary paths that that content is likely to be taking, the good example within search engine optimization would be if you talked about what is SEO, you got to talk about AI, GPT, LLMs. And a lot of existing content 
maybe doesn't, or maybe they're in the process of refreshing and updating their content so that it does. So I think that you have to understand what game you're playing and realize that the search engine results page is a puzzle. And depending on the maturity and confidence of that topic, you're going to see anywhere between one to seven like results that mirror what the intent of that topic should be. Now, there's a lot of topics that are just a lot newer, a lot trendier. You know, there's not as much stability or not as much agreeance on what people care about, like AI, right? It's like, oh, should you? Shouldn't you? What are the best tools? How do you use it? Maybe you shouldn't, right? And so there's a lot more disagreeance because, well, the topic is less mature. And also, you know, we as content contributors are also not as sure. In those cases, you have to recognize that the game that you're playing is not, okay, let me make an even more comprehensive piece of content on, you know, what is AI. I mean, to a degree, you can't argue that, but you're only competing for, like, say, two slots in the 10, right? You're actually much better off creating, should you use AI? Why you shouldn't use AI? You know, AI is bad. Like, you know, all of these different perspectives that the customer or not customer, sorry, the searcher like journey is is like likely to maybe care about. Right. And so Google understands that that particular topic is less stable because they know and they use user engagement signal. Right. That's the whole antitrust case that's going on. They know that when they pr produce this search engine results puzzle, that there's just less like conclusion of search paths. And to Google's machine learning algorithm, you could like say, okay, well, this is a topic that's not stable. So I should, right, like introduce more volatility to see if I can construct search engine results puzzles that have higher probabilities of engaging the user and performing less actions and less searches. Whereas you can imagine the high confidence topic or mature topic, it produces very little subsequent actions. And Google's model can look at that and say, well, I don't, why would I introduce more volatility into this? It's already very stable. And when I give this result, you know, this set of 10 results to the end user, we're finding that they are finding what they needed. So of the you know 10 slots, maybe two are wild cards. And then in a less mature topic, maybe two are like the mature like topics, but eight are the wild cards that like Google is is really you know experimenting with. It's okay, you just blew my mind in so many levels because it's so it's one of the best explanations I've heard of like why it's so important to look at individual SERPs because they're really like the actual type of query is going to be so different from search result to search result. And so there aren't these blanket strategies that you can just use across your entire portfolio. You really do need to think at context of 
the search intent, which you, you, you've broken down, whether it's ambiguous or not, you know, how complex it is, whether there is content there. And one of the topics that I feel like has been talked a lot recently in the, in the world of SEO too, is query expansion. Um, and kind of this idea of whatever you're, the person is actually searching for, to your point, Google is trying to identify the other contextual results that kind of serve as query expansion. Can you can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I I haven't heard it specifically called query expansion. I've obviously kind of been on this like rabbit hole of information gain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which yes. I can you maybe fill me in on what you think is the differences between query expansion versus information game. No, no, I agree. Cause I think, so I'm thinking about it in the context of query expansion being like, okay, you have your search term and Google will either look at synonyms or did you mean, especially to disambiguate. And so what you're saying is like all of these, I guess it's what you're saying about perspectives is these different angles, these different search intents that expand beyond just whatever the, the actual query is to try to almost predict and intuit what the person is searching for. I guess expand on search intent. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I think both, both are at play and both. I, yeah, I gave a, a talk about this recently cool. and essentially I, my hypothesis, if you will, was that high confidence similarity SERPs, the way to beat those is by providing more information gain. And for those of you that are listening to this podcast, Information Gate refers to this idea that Google has a knowledge graph, which in a simple way of understanding it, is a database of concepts that are related to one another. And, you know, more specifically, if we were to link this to SEO in this conversation that we're having, we would say that SEO is say at the center of this knowledge graph and one distance away from seo we would say is quality content and technical seo and backlinks and one distance away from say uh quality content is this idea of you know like internal linking or you know page cleanliness or, you know, needs met or something like that. And then one distance away from that is, you know, so on and so forth. So this knowledge graph is then what Google has for every topic and every subtopic and query available. And information gain refers to this idea that, well, topics, unless they're facts or history or, you know, like, those kinds of things, they're likely to continue to evolve and ebb and flow. So within this discussion, we could then make the argument that SEO is now being closely paired with AI, which then includes GPT and LLMs. So if SEO was you know, zero as being the root and quality content is one as being closely related, we can now say that you know AI maybe a year ago was 10, but now it's closer to three, right? Something like that, where the magnitude of the co-occurrence of these concepts, Google is understanding is shifting closer and closer together. Information gain then 
refers to the idea that Google is evaluating your content on its ability to surface relevant and interesting concepts that the topic is likely to co-occur with. So that can preclude random stuff that you're throwing into the article just to introduce, you know, new concepts to Google's knowledge graph. Google's going to say, okay, well, if you start talking about, you know, coffee or Apple phones, you know, maybe that's like 20 distances away or 50 distances away. And yeah, that's not, you know, like cool, but like not cool. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but Google is then saying, oh, but like AI and GP, right? Like that's now five or three or whatever it is in, you know, Google's word vector or knowledge graph or whatever, you know. So information gain then refers to one paradigm of optimization in my mind, which is to say that should you want to beat content on the, you know, like high confidence like SERP, what you do is you construct more comprehensive content that mirrors the relevant information gain that, that you observe the topic to be heading towards. And in a lot of ways, you could like think of it as, well, only a subject matter expert would really be able to call out that, you know, AI is, you know, like becoming closely paired with SEO. Right. And that, you know, one year ago, we we produced a piece of content on like, should you use AI? And it it was like, you know, featured snippet for a while while, you know, everyone was asking, well, exactly that question. And so, um, yes, that's that's like information gain. And that's to say, you know, if you want to go after what is SEO, the the way to beat what is SEO that's provided by Moz Hrefs, you know, other competitors in the SERP who have written about this topic is to produce a more relevant piece of content that includes more information gain than the current existing content. Now, you know, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. No, no, no. It's oh, you just got my brain thinking about how it's interesting in the context of the the recent updates and the helpful content update. One piece of that puzzle of what. Um, explaining why, for instance, Reddit and Quora has been doing so well in the search results is you're having all of this information, this new perspectives and experience and ideas from people showing up for these topics. It completely explains why all of a sudden we're seeing them skyrocket over the last few updates. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's like one piece of it. And the other piece is what you were saying around query diversification. And that's to say that, okay, well, yeah, within the context of search engine optimization, I might want to know, you know, whether I should be doing SEO for my early stage company. And chances are, you know, you really shouldn't because SEO takes a really long time and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, like then we write this piece of content to say, okay, somewhere, somebody, is likely to care about this perspective. And the and this is back to like subject matter expertise, but the the more like clairvoyance that you have, right? To say that, and I was saying, I think five years ago, like, oh, I bet if I created this piece of content on keyword research is dead. Here's how, you know, here's what to do instead. I really should have done it. But um 
I think it would have ranked, right? I think it would have ranked for keyword research or how to do keyword research because it's providing this like idea that, yes, this world of targeting high search volume head topics with certain, you know, keyword difficulties and whatever, like, it's dead in the traditional sense, right? Like what we're talking about here is saying, okay, you know, what are the long tail query diversification that the user is likely to care about? And how do we address those angles to then, right? Like populate into the search engine results puzzle for the head topic if we did it right. So essentially there's two components at play. Information gain refers to, okay, if you want to go after the tried and true and like the specific, you know, intents that are very ironed out, you have to beat them by providing more relevant information. Else, you can actually shortcut that whole process by providing perspectives and interesting thoughts around the topic that nobody else appears to be doing, you know, being, say, you know, one of the first to do it that has enough topical and domain authority to then allow Google to want to sample you, right, when they're looking at that introducing volatility into the SERP. And then that allows you to break into, you know, the, the SERP for a head topic in a completely roundabout way that works. I was going to say, it's like the parallel to that is almost like what media news publishers have been dealing with like forever in terms of always trying to newsjack and be the first and be the, the authority. It's like everyone almost has to take a cue from the media in terms of how to do that. I do want to segue because, I mean, oh, dude, you and I can talk about all this stuff and geek out for hours upon hours, but we got to talk SGE and AI. So, you know, the, Google's been experimenting with their... AI snapshot, the the featured snippet on steroids plus some. It's been changing and iterating. We saw that the experiment was in theory going to end in December, which is coming out. I'm really curious to hear where you think we are at with SGE and what are your predictions on like the timing of the rollout and what do you think it'll actually look like? Yeah, I... I don't think my opinion on it has changed since I've started doing, I suppose, hot takes on it. Lots of hot, <laughs> lots of hot takes in the industry because, again, it's been so turbulent. I I don't think SGE is is ready for prime time. I like what you called out. I think that it is a featured snippet that's questionably better, right? Like there is a little bit of a delay, and yeah, it is more like expansive of sorts. But um, yeah, I just, I think, I think it does, it's replacing the job of what you would expect a featured snippet to do, right? For those types of queries, you kind of wanted a quick answer and you got the quick answer. Now, whether you got it through SGE or featured snippet, I don't think it really, you know, matters too much. And I also think that there is this like, maybe I'm, I'm old, <laughs> but I was like, there, there is this, uh, very important consideration of search, which is user selection, right? Like somebody clicking on a result is essentially like this vote of confidence that the user is giving to themselves on the, it's like, I am opting in, right? To receive information from this domain, right? It's like, oh, if I see Forbes as number one, I might be like, 
eh, I'm going to go to number two and click on that one because I don't trust Forbes, right? Something like that. And that optionality, I think, is a very important and not discussed aspect of what SGE is removing, right? Mm -hmm. And again, maybe it's because I'm older and I like to click on things because I was around since search was around. But I do think that that is a very important aspect of search that will always remain as a human. That's why we go to the grocery store and pick our apples, right? We want to see the apple and be like, yeah, that one looks good. And then, you know, like whatever. So um, yes, I'll, I'll say it again, but I think that like SGE should just be like in chat. I think that if they do roll it out, um, they, I think they should just have a separate tab. You know how there's videos, images. I think there should be something that just says like assistant or chat or something. And then users have to navigate to there to then have this solely chat experience, right? Where they're going back and forth. And uh, I think Marie Haynes talks at length about this, where she keeps saying, oh, you know, barred, barred, barred. And I think that that's exactly the right way for Google to approach chat and generative experience is that, you know, if you want a chat experience, chat has a lot of um, benefits, right? It retains its context. It's really great at first drafts. You know, you can like revise and edit. You can have this like back and forth dialogue. It's really good at certain things like templates, first drafts, you know, the, these kinds of things. And if I, if that's what I want, then I should go to Bard or chat GPT and do that. And I think that, you know, search should remain search and and then you might then say, OK, but, you know, do, what does that mean for traffic? Right. If a lot of people are going to Bard or ChatGPT instead of searching and then is, you know, search traffic going to decline and decrease? And I mean, the answer is yes and no, in that, you know, 10 years ago, we would Google weather, click on weather.com and then, you know, see our local weather. Google said, wow, you know, that's well, we should just capitalize on that. And then they launched their weather wi widget. And now we Google weather and like, cool, that's what the weather is. And then, you know, all that traffic that used to go to all these different websites is now gone. And I think that, you know, to tie this all back to uh, the like information symmetry is right. that in highly symmetrical, highly confident information, right? That all looks more or less the same. That's all gone, right? Like if you thought you could capture traffic through a lyric website or by like recommending grammar stuff, like featured snippets are already, you know, eating that. And a whole class of queries, I think around templates, itineraries, right? Like all of these things, they're all gone, right? Because they're just going to be cannibalized by chat. But this cannibalization of searches is nothing new. It's been happening all along. In essence, what's going to happen is that people are still going to want to search because search, I think, is very native to how the internet works. They're just going to want different things. And so that's why I've been running around saying that, you know, content strategy is the new SEO. 
Obviously, there's technical stuff, there's backlink stuff, but for the most part, modern CMSs handle all the technical stuff. And backlinks, you know, will, will always remain core to how Google does a lot of things and also in a lot of ways, I think, play a role in this newer world of chat engine optimization, which we can definitely talk about as well. But yeah, I think that that's my take on this whole SG thing. <laughs> Well, it's, it's it's a fascinating point that you bring up is like, the, to what extent will search be fragmented? And and thinking about it, is it based on, to your point, like the, what people are searching for, the modal, you know, search, whether it's like text or like, you know, people search on YouTube for videos, or is it a demographic thing? Like, do you think younger generations are going to grow up in a world where search isn't, you know, at least Google isn't their primary way of searching for things. And so then you kind of have to be everywhere, but in these different you know, types of mechanisms for search. And right now, BARD is great, but it's not doing the best job at marketing itself compared to a ChatGPT or a Claude or some of the other, you know, ecosystems out there. Going big picture, what what do you think that looks like in the next like two, five, 10 years? Yeah, um, I I think this whole voice voice assistant thing is like really where I see a lot of this like chat sort of thing like graduate to i think that you know for us as millennials and you know like that kind of stuff it's like foreign to us like ah we don't really want to talk with our refrigerator but um (laughs) i can see a world right where the gen z like grows up and they're, they're used to talking to siri and they're used to talking to you know google assistant or their refrigerator and then all of a sudden it makes sense to continue to talk to you know the internet um of things so I think there's there's like some semblance of like, you know, fragmentation that that'll like likely happen there. I also think that, you know, this is why we're seeing the dramatic rise of influencer strategies, right? Is that, yeah, if it can be automated, it will be automated. And the automation of it cheapens the entire perception of it. So all of a sudden, you know, like we're back to, you know, the what's old is new and what's new is old, which is just to say that, you know, people trust people and, you know, authenticity through video and, you know, short form, you know, like video just becomes way more authentic, right? It's it's trusted. Like, you know, somebody actually sat down, produced, edited, clipped this thing. And I think that video and audio is where Google was 10, 15 years ago, right? Like 10, 15 years ago, publishing a piece of content to get index crawled and served by Google was a nightmare, right? You had to like push like this code and use a file transfer protocol in some cases. And, you know, there's all this stuff and, you know, CMSs would get things wrong all the time. They're orphan pages, you know, things would load really slowly. And you have to, that's why this whole field of technical SEO like became what it what it is and um yeah i think that you know now we produce a piece of content with one sentence like hey write me an article we 
publish a piece of content by clicking a button. And then we set up an entire website by clicking like, you know, five buttons. So, you know, the cost of entry is is lower than it's ever been. And I do think that that's also why, you know, the the newer generation is leaning more towards influencers, right? TikTok, YouTube shorts, their Instagram, you know, they're leaning more towards, yeah, Reddit. Like they're also, you know, kind of leaning more towards like, really community like based things which either happen in you know private groups like slack channels or facebook groups or even just group messages in like whatsapp messenger you know i messages that kind of stuff and i think that you know that's all all happening um you know i don't yeah i think all of that is at play which means that you know what what's to become of of actual you know what we know as google search i think yeah there'll be there'll be a decline um in in search traffic across multiple industries across multiple verticals but in certain verticals i think you know you'll see maybe a, a rise right this is like the research stuff the stuff where you know you need concrete evidence backed stuff and I do think a lot of the business world, right? You're not going to go watch a TikTok video and be like, oh, that's why I should buy HubSpot, right? Like you're, <laughs> you're going to go and do your research and you click around and you're going to see what, you know, people have to share. And so I do think that, yeah, search will become, you know, more narrow in in its application. But again, I think that that's that's nothing new, right? Search is becoming has become narrower and narrower as people are like, oh, I want to learn how to do something, YouTube. Oh, I want to buy something, Amazon. You know, like it's already sort of like being fragmented. And then you look at the, you know, Google market reports for like how many searches are being performed and it's still growing. So, you know, it's like, okay. Um, yeah, I think that it's, that's, it's yeah, it's it's it's, it's fun to speculate for sure. And, and, it's, and it's so interesting. I agree with you about like the authenticity. The irony is it's going to become easier and easier with these AI tools to fake authenticity as well. As you see, like more video and and and, you know, the hey gents and the 11 labs of the world. But, dude, oh, man, I could I could talk to you about this forever. I do want to jump into rapid fire rankings, though. Are you are you do, down to do some rapid fire rankings? I'm down. Okay, let's do it. Let's put some, turn on the music, put time on the clock. Let's do this. Bernard, rank your top three of something, anything that you love the most. Oh man, the top three of the things that I love the most. I love a good rare steak. Like that is definitely, you know, top, top. Um, I love sweating. So saunas, hot yoga, you know, these are all, you know, my cup of tea. And um, hmm, one more thing that I like absolutely love. Hmm, I, I think we'll just leave it at those two. Those two are, are pretty good. That's a tough open-ended question. It's like too much choice out there. Okay, <laughs> rank your number one best SEO or marketing win. Number one best SEO or marketing win. Oh man, okay. 
this has nothing to do with SEO and more to do with my early days as a growth hacker. And, you know, back then I practiced all the spectrums of, of hacking growth from very black to very white. Uh, but the, the, this is like the most epic story. So it was 2013 and I was in Austin working on a startup that was a marketplace for home-baked goods. There are some laws that were passed called cottage food laws that made it legal for people to bake from home and sell their baked goods commercially. So South by Southwest was, you know, like really in like full stride 2013. And I approached my um, my food blogger friend to say, hey, you know, like we should do something for South by. I want to generate some, you know, awareness for the startup that I'm doing. And she, she said, sure, you know, like, what if we did a food crawl? And so a food crawl is basically where, you know, you get a group of people together and then you go hit up five, six different restaurants, sample, you know, their best dishes and everybody pays some amount of fee. And it's like this nice little like tasting thing that you can do in like downtown Austin. So we said, great. That sounds like a perfect idea. So we put up a event on Eventbrite, which was the like kind of the place that people posted South by like events at the time. And we called it Food Crawl at South by Southwest. Long story short, we ended up with 23,000 RSVPs, a like keynote from a food network chef, you know, like 56 restaurants like in participation of like our food crawl. We turned it into the system where you you would come to our like event and we'd give you a wristband and if you showed up to these restaurants with this wristband they would give you like little discounts or buy one get one like depending on you know what sort of offer they were they were giving so we we hacked it all we got a cease and desist from South by because they were like hey you called it food crawl at South by Southwest which then conferred this like officiality to it, which it shouldn't have, but it did. And, you know, you need to rename it. And I think we renamed it like, like South, like something that still had South, like, you know, food, like South by Southwest food crawl or something. I don't know. We renamed it something. And then they were like, okay, well, you know, if you have 20, you know, at the time it's like, you have 16,000 people RSVP'd for it. Like we might as well make it like, official <laughs> so we just kind of like hacked our way into like this this like programming and generated a lot a lot of like awareness and leads and it yeah it was crazy dude that was yeah i think i think i was there that year at south by and i distinctly remember that i didn't realize the whole back you gotta do a whole behind the scenes that's that's nuts okay i'm gonna ask you about that after the podcast um rank your top three seo tools Ah, uh, yes. So ClearScope, obviously, you know, of I course. started it. We help with information gain and, you know, all kinds of different content relevancy and auditing type stuff. And then Google Search Console. I do think that rank trackers and a lot of these like outside in tools are not getting the full picture. You could argue, you know, Google Search Console has its flaws, which it does, right? It misreports a lot of things. But it is ultimately the source of truth, right? Because this is coming from Google. And I do think that there is a lot of this like 
ambiguation that's happening with searches, right? Like if I perform a search on a topic that one time I get a set of search, if I perform it again, I get a different set of search results. Like Google is like mapping like my like searcher journey to the point where like enough Googles of AI generation, AI content generation got me to an end point of like a bunch of like best lists. Whereas when I started, it was all like what it is, should you use it, how it works. And essentially, you know, if you were an outside in rank tracker, you might say, oh, okay, the piece of content is eight out of 10. Whereas, you know, Google Search Console might report it at, you know, like 5.2. So this is a slight nuance, but, you know, Google is basically calculating that on the different placements, depending on personalizations and user journey. And you can't really, um, you know, replicate that with an outside in rank tracker. Uh, the last one is simply the Google SERPs themselves, right? Like, I think that there's two main methodologies to content strategy in my book, right? You have a top-down approach and you have a bottoms-up approach. Top-down approach is simply inspecting the SERPs. I'm so surprised by how many people don't Google what they're like writing about to infer what the searcher cares about. And, you know, it's it's there, you just Google it. And also when you're doing that, don't look at just the front page, look at the top three. And you'll start to see in second and third, these like really potentially fractured, you know, query, query like paths. And you'll be like, oh, wow, like, okay, I didn't realize that, you know, somebody wanted to know, you know, why they shouldn't do this when, you know, it was like benefits of blah. And then on the like bottom of the second page, it's like seven reasons not to do blah. And you're like, that's interesting, right? Like that, that should be very interesting to you as an SEO practitioner uh, today. And if it's not, then, you know, you gotta, you gotta level up on the, the content strategy part. The bottoms up approach is the subject matter expert, right? That's you saying like, oh, okay, like, there are these things that people I don't like, I don't see people talking about and I want to talk about them because I think that these will become possibly at the forefront of people's thoughts in three, six, nine, 12 months. And again, you can, you can sort of reverse engineer that a bit with like different frameworks and different modalities. And if you study enough SERPs across multiple different industries as what tends to happen in, you know, agency freelancer, you'll start to see patterns, right? That's the do, don't do, right? Like it's like, oh, okay. These are the new like patterns of like, you know, what people are like succumbing to. <laughs> uh, but yes, those are, those are the two. Um, or those are the three tools. <laughs> no, they're great. To, and and you're right. Like SEO is so much about pattern recognition. To your point about looking at the SERPs, the same thing now is like if you have access to SGE is to look at the results because that's a kind of the way Google is creating their LLM generated version of based on the SERP is insight, insightful as well. Okay, rank your best SEO trick or tactic. Hmm. Rank my best SEO trick or tactic. Kind of covered a lot of them already, but what I comes know. to the forefront? Mm, you know, I, I'm going to keep it simple here. Just yeah. understand the searcher intent. You Make sure your title tag mirrors that intent for the query. And then make sure your above the fold experience 
answers the question as quickly as possible. It's really that simple. Except somehow, everybody not everybody, but so many people get it so wrong. I don't, you know, you're like, all right, you know, I want to learn about whatever the best CRM like tools, and then I jump into this article, and there's like this big, you know, stock image. Of people pointing at a computer screen, and then they're like, "Great that you're here. Let me tell you about what is a CRM." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> It's like the meme of recipes in the story. That that I mean, that's a that's a great tactic. Okay, can you rank what you love most about SEO? Oh yes, yes. I I love how it's it's constantly changing. Like yeah. and that is both the gift and the curse. Of SEO, like you look at almost all other things. I mean, yes, social media I think has changed dramatically as well. But you look at you know something like email marketing. It's like all right, email marketing 20 years ago is basically email marketing today, except you know you got to be even more careful about spam because you know everybody's abusing the crap out of email marketing these days. Um, but yeah, you know, search. It's like yeah, 10 years ago. It was all like, hey, like private blog networks, build links, buy links, sponsor, target keywords, make sure the technical SEO checklist is, and and you're good. And today, right, it's like, okay, well, you know, don't buy links because you know that's not good. I mean, building links is almost like just a whole, it's like doing sales outreach, right? Um, and and then you know we're we're here like debating the nuances of like. Does this look? Does this piece of content exemplify experience? Like, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> like, where? You know, it's it's so fast changing. It's so evolving, which means that you you get a lot of room to play. You get a lot of room to experiment. And you know, winner winner is gonna win. The downside, though, is obviously that if you don't keep up, you'll be left in the dust. And the other downside too is that it's zero sum. In that, if I'm winning in my industry, it means that whoever else is in the industry is losing, and so it tends to be more walled garden. That is why SEO kind of happens in in closed closed rooms, closed doors, private, exclusive, invite only masterminds. Right? Like it's because people want to keep their secrets to themselves, and if you know, you don't say, and if you say, you don't know. Pretty much.、Yep. Exactly. Exactly. It's I. I totally agree with everything you said there.、Um, rank your best learning SEO resource.、Mm, all right. Well, I'll give a shout out to ClearScope webinars. We, we host them once,、They're、twice、great. a month, and we bring on the best and the brightest in the the industry. So, tune in there. And and then you know this podcast is fantastic, right? There's always so much interesting pulse on you know what's going on in the industry, and then I yeah it's I'll go back to the community and influencer thing. There are certainly communities and influencers that you should follow. You know Lily Ray, Barry Schwartz, Cyrus, all Kevin Indig. You know a lot of these folks also have newsletters. Like Marie Haynes is also another great one to follow. Obviously Mike King around all this AI SEO stuff. So I think that yes, influencers communities they're everywhere. There's a lot of them. Just go go in, start trading notes, and you'll end up in some weird corner of the SEO like world. 
in, in like a private Slack connect with like you know ten ten practitioners, and and that's that's really where where they're like. The, the juicy. I agree. I agree. So those conversations, I mean, that selfish reason, that's a lot of the reason I do the podcast is to have conversations with awesome people like yourself and in our industry, because there's so many kind, thoughtful, supportive, and brilliant people. Finally, last question, rank your number one cause or charity that you want to promote. Oh, yes. I, I think I put in women in tech SEO. Yes. I think, you know, we have a fairly unbalanced industry of, of practitioners from you know that and obviously more diversity more inclusion is is all you know what what i'm about so go check them out strong community of you know lots of lots of folks that love to geek out on seo dude bernard thank you so much for being my guest this has been awesome yo if someone wants to get in touch with you what's the best way to get in touch yeah i would have classically said twitter or x but God knows what's happening <laughs> on that platform. LinkedIn appears to be where the party is at. You know, definitely, you know, give me a follow or just connect with me. I I connect with everybody in the SEO world. If you wanted, you know, a little bit more in-depth stuff, you can shoot me an email. That's Bernard at clearscope.io. However, my inbox these days is is definitely, you know, a <laughs> a crapshoot with all the email spam and everything that's going on. So I think LinkedIn would be the best place, but, you know, if you shot me an email, I would try to get back to you, even if it's just like, hey, you know, like I'm really swamped or busy right now. <laughs> there you go. Follow Bernard on LinkedIn. Thank you again for being my guest. This has been an awesome conversation. No, thanks for, for having me. Absolutely. My name is Garrett Sussman of iPoll Rank. This is the Rankable Podcast. We'll take a break after the Thanksgiving holiday, but other than that, we will see you soon. Bye-bye. 